I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's fine. Let's just go. Running with Jake, the podcast on this episode. The other skill that you need to be a good runner is to be able to switch off the pain. Otherwise, you'd never do the things that you want to do or, or run the distances that you need to do or the pace that you need to do. Pete does that all the time. Every time he's out there, he's... he's switching every off single time Pete's out there, he's switching off the pain. I have to switch off the pain, otherwise I won't actually go downstairs in the morning. I'm at that point, Jack. I'm brave. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome back. Uh, Can you not... Sorry. Can you... <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. What was that noise? <clears throat> I don't know what it was. It just... It was involuntary. It just came out my throat. I was starting welcome back to the running... And you... Uh, uh, I mean, that doesn't help. That does not help. No, I know. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. It's um, it's a really weird thing. Sometimes I've uh, I catch myself doing it at the most inopportune moments, like um, when I'm stood in a queue at a supermarket. Obviously, socially distanced, so that's not so bad. Uh, but also, mate, after after I've been on the job, there's people. I'm not even joking. Listening to this show now, they're thinking they're stopping midway through their run, checking their iPhone. Hang on, what, what am I listening to here? I selected the Running with Jake podcast. What is this nonsense that I've tapped into? Right, can I be honest, right? If you are that person and you are thinking, what is this nonsense I've tapped into? This is a bad place to start, okay? Start a few episodes ago. We've got we, we've done plenty of episodes. Go and listen to another one. Then you'll get us. Then come back to this because I realise that this is a bit off the wall to start a show. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not your average. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. It needs to stay that way. It is our job. It is our mission to brighten people's day, get you feeling better, loving life, loving your running, and that's what this show is all about. We've got another cracking show lined up for you. We have a very close dear friend back on the show. She is back by popular demand. It is indeed Joe Wilkinson, ex-GB athlete, fellow running coach, my friend, your friend too. She's been on the show before and today we are talking about can you be too fit for your legs? Can there be a mismatch between the physical body and your fitness, your cardiovascular fitness? It's a curious question. It's a topic we're going to discuss later today. I can tell you, however, that one person that is not too fit for their legs today is me. I know. You're just... <laughs> Come on, look. I'm so sorry. You're just suffering. What, um... I mean, you are, genuinely. I can see. We're sat here, I'm looking at you on the, on the, on the video, and you look absolutely done in. In a situation like that, because you, you know, you go out running, you do long runs, you run all day long, every day, uh, that, that's got to pound your body. And when you're already down and you've got a cold and you're like you are at the moment, what do you do about running? Do you take a break? Do you just sack it off? Do you go, yeah, it's a run day, but do you know what? Forget it. I feel like how? What happens? What's the best thing to I, do? I feel like my eyes are closing. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I can barely see you. Like, I'm like, where are you? Where are you? Look at them. I mean, look, let's be brutally honest. Man flu jokes aside, it is just a bit of a cold. But I think that lots of runners can relate to this because you want to get out there. You want to train and you super fight up. But... When you have a cold, it's 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 just a cold, right? I mean, it's it's just the snivels. That's all it is. 
but actually it can feel so debilitating it's so irritating and then answer your question about should i run so martina and i my girlfriend were off for a few days so i've had a, a bit of time off we should have been going to spain on a trail running holiday obviously that didn't happen so we a bit of a staycation we're trying to get out as much as we can obviously in lockdown as we record this i've got to stay safe and yesterday we intended on running we did have a great weekend of trail running which was awesome uh, and yesterday so today tuesday as we record the show monday we were going to get out there for a recovery run now a genuinely slow very very easy recovery run i don't mean the kind of recovery run that people refer to and really what they mean is it's just a normal run but they're going to run a bit shorter it was a genuine recovery run but i just didn't feel up to it and i had to say look as much as i'm going stir crazy in the house and i want to get out i've just got to listen to the body and say no and that's not that's not easy now obviously we're not doctors on the show pete you you're not a doctor, are you? I've got a whole bunch of certificates over there that say I've done different things, but I'm pretty sure I'm not a doctor. I just thought I'd clarify. I just thought I'd check that. So we're not doctors. We've established that. But <laughs> I think there's lots of doctors that will say if it's the neck up that you're feeling a bit rubbish, so a bit kind of head coldy, then kind of light exercise is okay. This is what I used to tell people when I was a doing lots of personal training uh, but anything kind of neck down when it's getting onto your chest and really affecting your breathing uh, which is obviously a hot topic at the moment then really you want to be avoiding kind of excessive exercise avoiding exercise in general is the safest way to play it but but it is difficult to know which way to go so my intention martina's disappeared off out today this morning to the shops and we said well look, might have a run a little bit later on this afternoon but i said look i've got to see how i feel because i'm not going to be doing anything fast if i do do anything and i'm not saying i'm categorically going to run so you You've got to just think, okay, what does my body need right now? Does it need to be pushed? Do I need to suppress my immune system even more and beat myself up? Or actually, do I just need to be kind to myself, have a a bit of a pyjama day and just kind of chill out, you know, binge listen to the podcast? And I think the the latter, in most cases, is the the best way to go. I think definitely pyjama day today, mate. Come on, calm down. What are you doing in clothes anyway? Come on. I thought thought you'd be all over that point, actually. I really did. I thought this is going to be a bit of Pete here. He's going to be completely on board with this bit of advice. Totally, of course, yeah. If you're saying to me, chill out, lay back, enjoy the ride, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. But to be fair, I'm not feeling great myself because I had an awful night's sleep. And the only reason, I'm wearing a hat today and it's a real, it's a pain to get the headphones on over the hat. And it's not the ideal hat, but I'd say, I'd describe that as a cowboy hat. Yeah, it is a, it's a, it's a Stetson, isn't it? Is it a Stetson? Yeah, it's a Stetson. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a leather Stetson, yeah. <laughs> the issue is, I'd love to be able to wear a baseball cap. Like, sometimes, like, I, I didn't sleep last night. I, I knew we were going to do the podcast. I thought, sometimes Jake takes screenshots. My hair's a mess. I, I, we're in lockdown, right? I'm going to take a screenshot now. I missed a haircut. The hair's a mess. If only I could grab a baseball cap and put it on, it would be the perfect accessory. It would be great. You look good when you put a baseball cap on. You look good. You pop the headphones over the baseball cap. It doesn't debilitate the use of the headphones in any way whatsoever. The problem is, I've got plenty of baseball caps. If I put one of those on, do I look like a baseball player? No. Do I look like a, like a cool pop star? No. Do I look like one of those um, blooming American garage mechanics with no teeth? Yes. That's what I look like. I don't know if it's the way I'm wearing. I don't know what the city i don't know if it's the size of my head if it's the size of my i don't know i've no idea and i don't know how how we got here how the hell did we get here (laughs) i really don't know i just wish i looked good in a baseball cap and then i wouldn't have to be wearing the cowboy hat i'm sorry i gotta take a break this has all got a little bit too broke back mountain for my liking for the show notes and video content go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast running with jake the podcast she is back by popular demand 
our friend, your friend, it is indeed Joe Wilkinson. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Hello, Jake. Very good to be back. Look, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't that fussed about having you back after the first time. I thought, <laughs> you know what? I'm not that bothered. We need some new different guests. But it's peer pressure. The, the listeners have been in touch. They've reached out. In fact, you know what? I'm really happy that we're in a second lockdown, actually, because I was waking up to people outside the door. We want Joe. We want Joe. Bring Joe back. Only the other day I had an email. Why don't you change the podcast to Running With Joe? Yeah, Just yeah. a thought. You see- well, it's a good thought, actually. And the question is, why don't you? <laughs> you could do. We could do that. It's not, I don't have a problem as a producer. I sit here, I don't have a problem with that. You just got to know, a bit like Donald Trump, I mean, I don't want to get political, but you've got to know when your time is up. <laughs> She's raising the issue of politics. We're going to move swiftly off, yeah. uh, swiftly on. Move very swiftly on. No politics here. <laughs> it is a pleasure to have you back on the show, in all seriousness. It's great always to speak to you. Obviously, we do our lives on Instagram, alternating on your Instagram page, my Instagram page, every Friday at 12.30. So it's awesome to chat to you. And I know today... I'm supercharged, as I know you are, with the messages we've exchanged, because this is a subject, a topic, a question that we're asking today that we are both super passionate about. And I know you wrote a really compelling article on this. And the question we're asking today is, can you be too fit for your legs? I'm going to hand over to you, Joe. I know that you believe 100% you can be. Uh, I want you to explain, what do we mean by that? What do you mean by can you be too fit for your legs? Literally what it says. I think um, it's a bit of a cliche to say you've had a light bulb moment. But for me, as I was, I've been an athlete for many years with ups and downs, downs with injuries and was training to be a coach. And I was reading a book and read this statement and thought, wow, if only I'd really appreciated that when I was actually training. I say the the statement is is much more convoluted convoluted than can you be too fit for your legs? But the gist of it is you have a whole different number of factors that come together in athletic performance, physiological side, heart, your lungs, your aerobic anaerobic system, and your biomechanical side, the power you can generate, the strength within your muscles, tendons, bones. And those two things have to be in balance for you to achieve your best performance. And if one becomes stronger or weaker than the other, that's when you have problems and that for me was this whole idea around being too fit for your legs I always said I was a brilliant runner I just had this terrible pair of legs there's the sticking point (laughs) I mean they weren't bad but a couple you know many a time I've stood in front of a physio or or, um, a podiatrist and they've looked at my legs and said wow (laughs) and I don't think it was a good wow quite frankly (laughs) (laughs) but you talk about that balance there and that is really key isn't it that's significant because it is that balance between i kind of liken it to a car really it's the balance between the engine and the chassis you wouldn't put you know forgive the analogy a ferrari engine in a, an old clapped out uh, chassis you wouldn't do it because there'd, there'd be a, a, a an issue there and obviously they, they would the car wouldn't survive it wouldn't be very useful i mean you've lost me there on cars jake but go with it yeah you've, you've lost me you've lost me completely. I'm, I'm wondering who's got a clapped out chassis what's going on oh, rude. that's it this podcast is over <laughs> but I think there does have to be a balance there that you talk about, and, and often people overlook that. You know, if you, if you cycle, right, you, you, you've you got to learn to ride a bike before you can cycle. If you want to swim, you've got to learn to swim before you, before you can actually get in the pool and swim. Whereas with running, you can just kind of go and do it 
albeit badly, but you're still doing it. And then there's that mismatch, isn't there? And that the nature of the sport with the impact and the repetitive nature means that you could risk breaking. And I think that's the problem with running fundamentally. It's such a natural activity. Any, you know, all you need to run is a pair of trainers, go out your front door and off you go. And that's fine. That will carry you for a certain way. But the more you start to train, the more you start to push yourself, the more power you generate through the biomechanical structures that you have, i.e. your legs and your core, the more actually it becomes problematic because you know you can you can train your kind of your your like I say you can train your fitness your aerobic system your anaerobic system but you've got to then start paying more attention to the strength in your legs so you can start off and you can go for even a couple of years without really needing to worry about that but what happens then is either through overuse or just through um things dramatically going uh, pop you've got to start thinking about how strong are my legs can they actually power me through and and there are there is two sides to this there is the uh, injury management side prevention side and then there's also the performance side and which of those is more important it really depends on what your goals are but to be honest they are both equally important in many ways because we all train we all want to run a bit faster and we all want to run without being injured yeah i mean that's what performance isn't it in many respects it's moving forward and if you're somebody that's prone to injury and actually you are somebody that's no longer prone to injury that's an improvement in your performance in many respects you know and you're able to get a lot a lot more out of the sport yeah and what sets people back most of all is injury i mean you know i spend far too much of my time on social media but it is full of runners saying oh i was absolutely flying and now i'm out and then i'm back and then i'm out and then i'm back and then i'm out and then they don't achieve what they want to achieve because you put all of this great training in you're really fit but that means nothing if you're injured and you can't actually then do the race that you want so what what destroys most people's ambitions and them achieving their goal is lack of consistency and most of the time that arises through injury and and as, as you know that's really when I look back partly my experience that you know I had some amazing breakthroughs ran some really great races but the consistency although you know I did have a long career I was around for quite a long time but actually it was interrupted by huge periods that were lost to quite significant injuries at times and I look back and think could have done that slightly better could have focused on that side of it a little bit more and then maybe I would have had even more consistency and actually gone on and achieved more than I did. Yeah, it's the whole hindsight thing, isn't it? Uh, you can kind of understand it, though, can't you, Joe? really, in some respects. When people come into running, people want to run. That's what they're, they, they've chosen to do. They've not chosen to do single leg, ba- leg balance work or core work or strength work. They want to run. And because time is precious, all they want to do, if they've got any spare moments, is devote it to the running so you can kind of you can understand why people fall into this trap can't you until they have a light bulb moment or they read a book like you read or something you know they have a bad experience and then all of a sudden they go well that hurt that burnt i'm not going to do that again maybe i do need to commit to this this strength work now although i think you know one of the one of the challenges of endurance running is that you do actually have to do a lot of running and i think for me as well training with some of the people i trained with you know i you know i love a good name drop but i had the same coach as paula radcliffe trained with a a woman called liz yelling who went to the olympics in the marathon a couple of times so really great role models who did an awful lot of running and there is no doubt that when you're reaching those higher levels you've got to do a lot of volume so you know, there's a lot of running to be done and it's very easy to, you've only got so much time, particularly if you're working or you've got other commitments and it's very easy to think I'm going to get more benefit from these extra miles, that extra run, double daying on running 
than I am from the strength and conditioning side of it until you do get that realisation. But often, unfortunately, what happens, and again, I put myself well into this category, is you only ever see the short term. You know, you have a very short term perspective on it. So I'm injured. I'll do some rehab. I'm really committed to this. I'm doing all these exercises. And now I'm better and I'm able to run. That slides away again and the running starts to take over. And if you're unfortunate, you slip back, unfortunately, again, into that whole cycle of I'm injured yet again. You know, that boom and bust uh, cycle that, unfortunately, quite a lot of us fall into. I mean, we obviously speak quite a lot now when we first got in contact through having you on the the podcast the first time around. And, you know, we often see eye to eye, virtually always, actually, on, on various topics. And I think it is that difference between load and capacity. And actually, if you do overload the body too much and you exceed the capacity of one's body, then it's going to result. In an, in an injury and it's really hard to hold yourself back and for runners to hold back I mean I, I try to get my runners I, I often say to people on social media and the runners I look after our coach listen to the whispers of the body don't wait for it to scream at you you know you've got to play it safe I try and bubble wrap runners but of course ultimately they're in control aren't they of their own destiny once they put the trainers on get out the door it's blue skies it's a great day do you sometimes have a hard time holding your runners back can you see things that that, that perhaps they can't see yes um, but uh, but also I understand that I know that the other skill that you need to be a good runner is to be able to switch off the pain and not feel the hurt <laughs> otherwise you'd never uh, do the things that you want to do or, or run the distances that you need to do or the pace that you need to do so that Pete does that all the time. Every time he's out there, he's, he's every the single pain. time Pete's out there, he's switching off the pain. I have to switch off the pain, otherwise I won't actually go downstairs in the morning. I'm at that point, Joe. This, I'm brave. But this is the problem. We become too good at switching off the pain and ignoring things. And then we're also masters of denial as well, aren't we? I mean, you know, you... We're brilliant at saying to other people, oh, you know, I've got a bit of a sore Achilles. Oh, well, rest, you should rest. But would you say that to yourself? Of course you wouldn't. You say, oh, well, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a niggle because it also, you do hurt. You, do, I mean, I struggle to get out of bed in the mornings. I used to say when I was training at my best, old women running for buses could overtake me when I wasn't running because it's all or nothing. I could run really fast or I was hobbling around you know, virtually unable to walk. There never seemed to be a middle ground. So you become very used to thinking, oh, this hurts a bit, that's a bit stiff. Don't worry, I've got to push on through it. Because you can't stop for every little niggle. You you know, you can't stop for every ache and pain. But finding the balance between, you know, it's like everything, isn't it? That grey area in between, it's very easy to say I'm flying. It's very easy to say I'm broken. But where you are in the middle is quite hard to ascertain. And, And people's tolerance for pain is very different people's anxiety about things is very different so you know it is hard it is a fine balance and I and you know going back to what you're saying about as a coach it's hard and as an as an athlete as a coach you know you you then relying on second hand someone's reporting of how something feels as well bear in mind they may have all that denial and ambition and everything else that kind of feeds into their their subjective assessment of how they are But I also do find, and I think from my own experiences, that I try, I probably try and err on the side of caution too much because I would rather that person keep running, um, which is probably intensely frustrating to them. (laughs) 
But on the other hand, it's intensely frustrating I get that. when you're injured and you're not running. So, you know, where do you find the balance between the as two? A, as a coach, you naturally care, don't you? And and you want people to yeah. keep running. But and, and when you do feel good, that is often the sign where sometimes I feel like I'm a bit of a, a dream stealer almost or taking the wind out of the cell. Because when somebody's feeling really good and you can see it and it's, it's showing in the data yeah. and the sessions they're doing, I'm thinking oh gosh, just please don't break. Like, if you keep pushing like this, we'll just... Because you want you want a bit more of a fix, don't you? And it's understandable. You think, well, this feels great. I'm making progress. I used to ring my coach up and say, Alec, I've had an amazing session. I'm absolutely flying. And he used to say, oh, take care now, take care. And I used to think, <laughs> oh God, can't you celebrate the moment with me? Um, and now I find myself doing that to other people. It is true. It's like when it's when you're flying... That is when you need to take care. And yeah, totally a dream stealer. Pour as much cold water on it as I can. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to ask you because I obviously want to get into what you think it means to be, to get that balance. So how, so how, how do you become mm. fit for your legs, for your body? You know, how do you get that, 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 that balance right? But what was the book that really resonated with you that you were reading? Because I'm sure there's people listening to this thinking, tell me the book. What's the book? She's not telling me about the book. <laughs> so the book is called stability sport and performance movement um it's on my shelf here that's why i'm reading it and it's by a woman called joanna elphinstone she's great she's um she's on instagram as well um she's she's fantastic she does a lot of work with british athletics and she really looks at not just strength but stability and mobility through movement and that's the critical difference so it's like being able to you know you, you might be able to bench press 100k in the gym but if you can't control that your core when you're running what is the point of being able to do that so it's it's to use a word that's a bit overused sometimes and misused it's about the functional you know functional control functional stability so she has a lot of um, exercises that aren't just about building pure strength or pure power but channeling that into the activity whatever sport it might be that you want to do um and so just I do thoroughly recommend people go and read it. It's it is my Bible. It's one of the books that is always on my desk. Hence why I can read the name off like that telling you. Um and I flick through it a lot and I kind of refer to it. And I've obviously sadly read it cover to cover as well. But it's quite good to dip into. Um but it's really like I say, it's looking at things. I think the one of the issues I, I like about the book, but I often have the challenge with runners is we very much like things that involve panting and sweating. You know, I love anything that involves panting and sweating, but a lot of her exercises aren't that kind of thing. They're actually about control and movement, often quite a subtle movement, but she focuses very much on correct movement. So it, it can feel very alien to going out and smashing out K reps on the track, but actually it's those fundamental basics that you need. So it's about doing it properly, recruiting the right muscles in the right movement pattern to A, protect you from injury and B, drive more power and force and therefore get a better performance. There you go. We uh, don't just bring you inspiring <laughs> guests on the podcast. We give you great book recommendations as well. Of course, we will mention that book. We'll link it in the show notes, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast if you want to go and check that out. It's great though, isn't it, to, to have these dip, share these resources that we can dip in and out of. And talking about this type of exercise and this type of stuff, which I want to get into with yourself and get your view on it as a coach and as an experienced athlete, it's it, it's almost, I label this stuff as fussy. It's the fussy stuff that actually yeah. it's not, it's going to give you a huge bang for your book, but you don't feel like it is in that moment because you don't yeah. feel like you've had a great workout you don't feel like you've justified that cake because you've balanced on one leg 
for 30 seconds, you know, you've, you've repeated it yes. four times. Do you know what I mean? So it is, as we said before, difficult for people. But tell me, how does one get fit for their legs? What do we have to do? Where, where, what's the starting point? I know it's different for different people, Joe. but what's, what's the starting point? Uh, so, you know, I work closely with a couple of physios in performance team, um, Mark Buckingham and Matt Bergen. And we've been having an ex- email exchange recently. They've been, you know, put a huge amount of input into my coaching and, and trying to say, right, what are, if you had to pick your top three exercises to do, if that was all you had time to do, what would they be? And we've had a huge debate over this as to what they might be. But, you know, you could you could work on every single muscle if you had unlimited time, but we don't. So the bare minimum, calves, glutes, Mark Buckingham says feet, and I say core. Wow, okay. So <laughs> maybe if we could have four as opposed to three. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of other things, hamstrings, quads, you name it. But probably through his experience of working with runners and seeing injuries over the last 25 years, um, and I would say through my experience of being one of those runners and being injured over the last 25 years, probably those are the key muscles and areas you need to work on. Something that targets your glutes, something that targets your calves, and something that targets your feet. Or feet we often ignore. And again, okay, I might be biased because I had a couple of, you know, partially ruptured plantar fascias, which are the uh, muscle in your soul. Um, but nonetheless, feet actually are kind of the final thing between you and the ground and the thing that often suffers if if other things are weak. Um, so if you haven't got much time, that's what I would go for, essentially. I completely agree with you there, especially on the foot thing as well. I mean, I, I say to people, that's that's the contact point, man. That's what hits the ground. So f- what happens at that point where your foot lands really matters because it affects everything else up up the chain. So taking care of the feet is, is really important. I mean, I've always got a golf ball kicking around the house. I don't play golf at all. I'm terrible. But <laughs> I just roll, I just massage my feet out with it, Joe. Honestly, just to break down all the yeah. tissue. It feels great, especially when we're on our feet a lot as runners, you know, we're out there pounding the tarmac. So I do think that's that's really, really important to look after yourself. Where, in your opinion, and you're not a physio, and it's important to make that distinction. You're an experienced yeah. coach, and I'm not asking you from a, a physio perspective. We, we've had <laughs> uh, Matt Matt on the show Matt Bergen who's a top guy from the perform team as well and I've done some work with him so we we as coaches work with these other experts as well to build our wealth of knowledge and ultimately help help our runners and help our listeners in this instance but where does hill work fit into all this because a lot of people talk about hill work is strength and it's going to give you that 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 strength work what where do you sit on that what's your view I'm interested right hills (laughs) hills yeah this is not a two-hour-long podcast, just so <laughs> no, you know. No, this is my concern. I'll stop saying hills over and over again. When we invited you back on the show, I thought, oh, God, <laughs> Pete, this is not you good. You knew how long I talked for. We need, like, a trap door. Jake did say, I know she's going to get stuck in a hill loop. It's going to happen. <laughs> she's just going to keep saying hills. Hills are both the best thing and the worst thing you can do. Uh, they are amazing. They are fundamental strength work. Um great they really help with running form because they encourage you to run in a very certain way much more up on your toes um they are really good but they are so intense and they are really easy to underestimate and if you haven't got some basic strength the heels might be too much for you so they can be a way of both achieving basic strength but they can also be a way of massively overdoing it because I think more than any other session, people walk away with doms the next day and think, God, I, I just, you know, I killed myself. And I think people underestimate. I 
remember taking a guy out and, and said, right, we're going to do um, six one minute 30 hills and six 30 second hills. And he honestly looked at me and was like, added it up in his head and, and was like, really, is that all? And then, of course, halfway through the session, he was absolutely dying on his feet and realised that, you know, a hill is not the same as running on the flat, which I know is stating the blindingly obvious because they are so intense. So I absolutely love them. I think they're great. But you've just got to make sure it comes back to the whole thing that you actually even need a bit of basic strength before you go into hills because you could really seriously overdo it on them. Yeah, it started with the basics, isn't it? As as we've touched on, you, you've got to start yeah. slowly with, with any of it and, and get your air miles up to give you another transport analogy there, vehicle analogy. But you, you have, you can't just throw yourself into everything. You need to do the basics, the fundamentals. You need to do yeah. the easy miles as coaches. We know that my background predominantly is personal training. So I know all about how to introduce an individual to uh, resistance work when they're completely new to it. And you, you build them up slowly because you just end up, as you say, you just, you just end up injured. But saying about hills, you know, is it a coincidence that the two best periods of running in my life l- happened when I lived, because I'm such a geek, sorry about this stat, I lived on top of the um, third f- highest point in Greater London, <laughs> which is really high, and on top of a massive hill. So every single run I did involved starting down the hill, lovely, finishing up the hill, not lovely, and just running up and down it lots and lots of times in between. But like I say, coincidentally, those two periods, I was running at my best and my coach swore blind it was because of the hills that we were just running continuously. So hill sessions and running hills as a matter of course... I think, uh, you know, they're both good for you, actually. And, and people respond differently to different types of training. You know, there is some underlining yeah, science oh, yeah, that this is good for this particular physiological benefit, adaptation, that's great. But lots of coaches, lots of reference books, lots of, you know, history will tell us that actually people respond differently. And some people see better results from doing a lot of hill work than others. I mean, I have some runners, and you must, yourself, Joe, because you coach people all over, like myself, that don't live in a hilly area. So they can't, I'm, they're like, <laughs> yeah. stop giving me hill reps. I don't have any hills. I live in a concrete jungle. <laughs> so I just have to be very mindful. I mean, it's literally one extreme to the other. I have a guy and I keep saying, run a two minute hill. And he's like, there isn't a two minute hill. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do. Whereas where I used to live, I could run a two mile hill. <laughs> it really does depend on where you live. You've just got to make the best of, it's like everything. You've got to make the best of what you can, haven't you? But if you've got a hill, you know, do run up and down it within reason what, what do you say to people that have concerns about putting on muscle that are perhaps new to resistance work and strength work i'm not talking hills as such but i've come across quite a few people in my time where they have this concern that if they get in a gym or they start lifting weights they start doing squats they're going to put on muscle and it's going to hinder their running uh i just y- you're not <laughs> not to that degree because you're just not doing you are, you're unlikely to be doing the sufficient volume of the kind of weightlifting that you would need to do to put on significant amounts of muscle, particularly when you combine that with all the running that you're doing as well. So you will get better definition in your muscle and you will develop some more muscle, but are you going to turn into somebody that's on Bodybuilders UK Weekly or or whatever? (laughs) Probably not, (laughs) quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you subscribe to that? (laughs) I'm on the front cover next week. (laughs) What an image you've just painted there, Joe. Honestly. 
honestly. No, you, you're dead right, you know. You, you, to actually pile on the pounds, I mean, when I was a personal trainer, lots of people had the goals of, you know, putting running aside, yeah. wanted to put muscle on <laughs> and wanted to, you know, gain the six-pack and the biceps and everything. But that yes. is actually really hard to do. You've got to train and eat for it. You've got to rest, lots of rest, when you're not lifting the heavy weights in the gym. But obviously, if you're running and you're an endurance runner in particular, you're doing so much training that, that, that for you to put on the weight is actually going to be really difficult. I mean, you do get people that actually struggle to lose muscle, though. They naturally sort of hold quite a lot of muscle. There's a guy we're trying to get on the show at the moment, actually, and I know uh, that I see from his uh, social media that he's a, he's just a naturally a big guy. I think he likes the weights anyway, but he's really tried to focus on trimming right down, but he's finding it incredibly difficult. Do, do you work with anybody like that? His legs are probably too fit for his body. <laughs> we should splice you. Get you both together. Is that is that right? Is it spliced? Do we do that? Know. Can we... <laughs> We can make like the ultimate runner. <laughs> but I think, you know, it, it just depends what background you come from, doesn't it? And what body type you have. Um, you know, we are all genetically predisposed to a slightly different type of body. That's why sprinters, you know, they are likely to have more fast twitch fibres, you know, and, and other people are more able to recruit muscle into kind of, you know, heavy lifting muscle. That's why we have talent spotting and some people go into rowing and some people go into endurance running you know you're just not the same body type so you, you you've got to work with within reason with what you've got um but then you've got to make re- refinements so i could look at my terrible knees and awful feet and you know i worked sufficiently to refine them enough that they were quite good for running um the rest of me was brilliant for running it was just those bits that were slightly not so good when we talk about things like this you know i think it's re- i think it's really healthy because sometimes it just reminds people a lot of the stuff that we hear or read we know we've heard it before it's not necessarily new mm. but it kind of you go oh yeah i should really act on that yeah jake and joe were talking about this oh yeah i should really do that and then it just goes out your mind and you don't so i think those constant reminders are really really important i imagine one of the biggest barriers certainly that i come up against and i'm sure you do as a coach as well with people is time and people have perhaps listening to this thinking great yeah, yeah I'm, right i'm up for it now's the time i've had this plantar fasciitis i need to be doing this footwork and this core work i just don't have the flipping time if, do you have any suggestions with regards to time management of course this can help other things but we're talking about fitting in some strength work here not specifics but what would you say to somebody that says look i just don't have the time uh, the first thing i say is drop one of your runs <laughs> And it's something that my physio said to me all the time. And I used to think, are you nuts? Um, But again, with hindsight, I look back and think, yes, I would have achieved a lot more with that half hour of time if I'd spent doing some conditioning work rather than that extra run. So look at your runs. There probably is at least one you could drop for a bit of strength and conditioning. Then I think I always did a lot of stuff. I never had the time to go to the gym, just, you know, with work, with children, didn't have the time. So did a lot of stuff at home. You can, there's lots and lots of very effective body weight exercises you can do. And often they're the basics that you need to start with. We think we've got to go straight down the gym and start lifting weights and be on the weights rack. Actually, you probably need to start with the basics first, which are mainly body weight stuff. So lots of stuff you can do at home you don't have to do it all in one big 45 minute session you could do you know 10 minutes on your calves a couple of times a day um, not a couple of times a day sorry a couple of times a week um you know that's much more realistic and then you could do a bit on your glutes another 10 minutes some other time so you know you don't have to do it in one big session you don't have to go to the gym and 
you know, balance it against your running because that's where this whole concept of I'm too fit for my legs because all I'm doing is going out running, building up that cardiovascular fitness at the expense of this basic preparatory conditioning work that actually will enable me to run much better in the long term. And we've said this all year, pretty much every episode, and I appreciate it's boring if you're listening to this now, but now <laughs> is the best time to be focusing on this stuff. First lockdown, I basically said to all my um, uh, clients I was coaching at the time, right, uh, here you are, free, because people always like something that's free, don't you? Once a week, you've got to do a video uh, strength and conditioning session with me. Um, and, you know, it got people into doing it. I've got to be honest, at the end of that lockdown, I was more than... <laughs> my legs were so fit... <laughs> I was so knackered from all this strength and conditioning. I've never done as much in my life. So it worked wonders for me, although it did almost kill me. But we, it, it really, you know, I just basically said to people, use this time, okay? I know you're all gutted because your marathons were cancelled. So now we're going to work on this stuff. And actually, do you know what? It built the habit up for people. And some of those are now still doing more than they did before the lockdown, the first lockdown. So I'm kind of quite pleased about that. But yeah, now is the time. If you haven't, even if you're looking to a spring marathon and you're optimistic about that going ahead, now is still the time because now we're in a general preparation phase before you get into specific training after Christmas. So there are no excuses. Now is the time to do it. You heard it here first. You can be too fit for your legs. Now is the time to work on it. You heard it from Joe. Put some time aside. Make it your thing. Cut those runs short. Drop a run. You have to make the time. We all have 24 hours in a day. Joe, wicked to chat to you as always. Uh, have a great rest of the day. I'd like to say we'll have to get you back on the show really soon, but and, but we're going to catch up on Instagram Live in like a few days. It's, we certainly are. Are you getting bored of all this contact with me? I, I'm sorry if you're sick of seeing my face on like the whole social media thing. We, well, I, I just, you know that thing where someone says I dropped my phone down the toilet and lost all my contacts? Ah, yeah. I can see it's that happening. Excuse, well, it? do you know what? I, I, we talk about some great stuff. I'm heading straight for the toilet now. <laughs> This may be the second time on the podcast there will not be a Joe Wilkinson trilogy. I can assure you of that. <laughs> Good to speak to you, Joe. Good to speak to you, Jake. Running with Jake, the podcast. Your weekly dose of running motivation out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. Helping you to get the most out of your running, it is hashtag AskJake. And Julie has dropped us a message. She is looking to increase her mileage and she wants to know if she should apply the 10% rule, meaning not increasing her weekly mileage by more than 10% at a time. Do I think that's a good idea? Ah, this is a tricky one to answer, actually, Julie, because it's not a, a black and white answer. In some respects, 10% can be a reasonable rule to apply, but it doesn't necessarily suit everybody. And the reason being is different people can deal with different amounts of load, of volume, of mileage. So I always advise my runners, you've kind of got to find your own magic number, the amount of mileage that you can tolerate each week in terms of an increase. But you've got to test that super, super safely because obviously you don't want to break. So in your case, it might be worth trying 10% initially because I do think that's a relatively uh, safe amount to increase by. But maybe don't increase it every week, increase every third week. So you're giving yourself two weeks to get used to it and then you're turning up the heat a little bit more. But as always, listen to the body. 
I hope that helps and you stay injury free. If you have a question, it's hashtag AskJake or you can drop us a message at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That brings us to the end of another episode of your weekly dose of running motivation. It's weird. I even feel better myself. I was considering getting a Lemsip, but after the show, then they're going to need it. I've been picked up. I'm backfiring on all cylinders. A massive thank you to our guest, Joe Wilkinson. And similarly, I, I feel good about the bad hair day as well. I took off the Stetson halfway through the Joe Wilkinson interview because I just thought her hair's worse than mine, so it's absolutely fine. It's a good day <laughs> all round. Have a great week. <laughs> I'm just joking, Joe. I'm just joking. <laughs> Your weekly dose of running motivation. Oh, and one more thing. Uh. Ah. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. 